It's a really tangled up thing. And what is the work that you're doing? So I'm working on a book that I call different things at different times, um, but it's a non-traditional biography of my friend Suleiman Khatib. But it's also kind of collaborative. Like honestly, sometimes we confuse people because at this point in the process, sometimes like I'll talk about it as like I'm the writer, and sometimes we'll say we're co-writing it, or sometimes I'll say I'm writing it, but writing it collaboratively with with Suli, which is um, what most English speakers call him and some Arabic speakers um, so the book started out as being about the story of his life which is an interesting story that I can get to in a second and then um, from there looking at some of the questions that come up around um, identity and activism and strategy and history and all the different threads of things that come together to form like individual people's stories here and how the, the individual stories connect to the broader context and conflict. Um, so he was born in a town called Hizma, um, which is historically really part of Jerusalem. Used to be like a 10 minute drive from Jerusalem. When he was 14, he actually, a little bit before then, he be started to become active in um, the Palestinian National Movement and um, resistance to the occupation. And that led up to him at the age of 14 stabbing two Israelis. Um, and uh, and then led after that to him going to jail for 10 years. So he was in jail from the ages of 14 and a half to 25. His experience in jail is really interesting. It's also in a lot of ways a relatively common one. A lot, a lot of Palestinians have been in uh, Israeli jails. Um, when he got out, he had gone through a process that led to him feeling like nonviolence was a better strategy to uh, to address and resist the occupation. Um, and so from there, he started doing a lot of things, um, a lot of uh, a lot of dialogue work actually with Jews and Israelis. Um, and and then um, I like there are many projects, but the one that has lasted the longest is called. Combatants for Peace that's now going to this summer going to be celebrating its 10 year anniversary um, and it started out as a group of Israeli soldiers who were refusing to serve in the uh, in the West Bank and Gaza this came out of the Second Intifada um, and Palestinian ex-combatants um, meeting together and talking and then deciding to form a joint organization to uh, to fight the occupation non-violently um, and not just like without violence but like with a really intentional philosophy around sort of the positive value of non-violence and like what that means um, even in the way that like you know power operates in the organization in terms of how power is shared between the Palestinian side and the Israeli side given that they're in a reality in which the power is not equal on the outside so 
the, you know, his story is one that he tells it a lot for his work. He's now one of the co-directors of Combatants for Peace. Um, and it's a really compelling story. It's, you know, a lot of people read it as a story of transformation. Like, wow, somebody who was violent turned not violent. How interesting is that? How does that happen? Is this a story about learning how we can transform violence to nonviolence? I think that's interesting when we say it. We also have to be careful to not just, like, to not put that on the Palestinians. Like, you know, if, um, the same question obviously needs to be asked and in different and sometimes much harder ways about the violence in Israeli society. Violence perpetrated by Israel, both direct um, physical violence and also structural economic um, violence, the violence of, of occupation. So yeah, and but I think and I think that's a really interesting story. I think there are also a lot of other more hidden interesting stories in it. Um, he's a really unusual guy. He's there are a lot of ways in which he's like you know, he started out as this like child of, of the resistance, like, you know, Arafat knew him, like he was the youngest person and youngest kid in jail in Ramallah. This was before the first intifada when they started arresting you know, you know, twelve-year-olds all the time. Like he was, he was. It was unusual for a fourteen-year-old to be arrested in uh, nineteen eighty-six when he was arrested. Um, so to go from that to uh, not just somebody who's resisting the occupation nonviolently, but somebody who believes in dialogue as a value in itself, which is a challenging thing to believe in now. When people are accusing, when people are pointing to that as normalization of occupation um, or normalization of Israel itself, um, and and like not just that, but also there's a way in which he's like he's navigating these spaces of like still being Palestinian, but also really like pushing the boundaries of like being distant from it and finding his community. I think you could argue, and I think you would say, like, less so along lines of, like, with Palestinians and more so along, like, within activist communities, which sometimes means, like, he feels closer to certain Israeli activists than he does to Palestinian activists. Like, um, and that's a really interesting thing. Like, to what extent is this about a really broad vision for the future that, like, most people here aren't talking about because the urgency of the present is so compelling? Or is it also about, like, you know, so the mentality of an oppressed person who's in love with the I mean, you know, there are lots of questions like that to ask. Um, and um, the book is, you know, it'll bring in sort of those questions, also some of the questions of other activists around him and how they are dealing with those questions in, in similar and also very different ways. And then also, I, I think maybe the thing that all of it is important to me, but maybe the thing that's like the strongest for me is... Um, the relationship between us. We've known each other for 10 years. Um, and he, he's been a really like powerful and strange force in my life. Um, I think that, and, and the dynamics that come between, between us in the writing of the book, I think have a lot to say and point to and question about, you know, other relationships in the context of the conflict, um, questions to ask about how power functions in joint work, because I sort of see the book as joint struggle, like joint work to like try and create something together. Um, I'm very aware of my, you know, 
my position as a white Jewish American writing a Palestinian story. I'm also aware that I'm a much younger woman and he's an older man and there are certain um, dynamics that come along with that. Um, and we used to have a romantic relationship and so that also frames um, our friendship now and our way of working and um, and that's a pretty controversial thing I think in this context but I find it really um, I see a lot of there's a lot of things that scare me about that in the context of the book but I think also a lot of potential for um, doing something different than is usually done in literature about Israel-Palestine um, because of the ways in which everything is connected and all struggles are interconnected um, uh, it just challenges you know it, it, it makes everything really messy and I'm interested in messes so I think um, that's one of the things about the book that I'm really excited about like how to tell this really strong compelling story that could be told in a very simple way very powerfully um, and to tell that story and to make sure that it doesn't get steamrolled over but also to deconstruct it and to mess it up and to show the ways in which it's not what it seems it is and um, and how that also reflects the reality this sort of constant conversation here about like is the conflict complicated or is it simple like I used to be really um, I used to be so angry when somebody would say it's complicated because often the person who's saying that is saying it as a way to like escape looking at the power imbalance um, and which as I see it Israel has more <laughs> is the party with more power and Palestinians are the party with less power um, uh, but the truth is there are certain things about it that are very simple and there are certain things about it that are complicated and both of those things have to be allowed to exist at the same time and you know depending who I'm talking to I'll stress like one or the other depending where they're coming from um, but I think like, like Suli will even so the dynamic between me and Suli has always been interesting like the first um, the story I think will be in the book we'll see but uh, when I first met him it was at my mom's house in Minnesota she had invited him to speak she, my mom is a rabbi and she met him in Israel and he was giving a talk about his story and she loved him um, as many middle-aged women and middle-aged Jewish women do he's in, he's an incredibly charming person that's like one of the pieces of his story um, uh, she invited him to speak in Minnesota and I was there and she put him in the bed in my stepbrother's bed um, oh okay I already said I was Jewish I was like did I say I'm Jewish um, in my stepbrother's bed uh, and he had a huge Israeli flag over his bed and I saw it and I was like like I felt like I felt I was it was a time where I was angry at my mom and we were fighting about Zionism and da da da, -da. Uh, and I was so angry and I said to Suli I'm like I'm so sorry I was like so embarrassed and he just laughed at me and he was like it's fine like it's not a big deal um, and that has been sort of the dynamic between us from the beginning is me being like aren't you angry and him being like like relax a little bit like you're being too uh, you're looking at it too simply you're or, or no it's not even that like he sees you know I mean he doesn't like flags in general he sees the violence on the occupation of course um, but he, you know, he also responds to who he's talking to. And with me, I think he's always felt like he needed me to, like, complicate my 
positions that come from a sort of leftist slash radical, I don't know, whatever the fuck radical means, but like left to radical left kind of positioning that's questioning certainly if not condemn not condemning Zionism I, I don't but certainly challenging it and, and problematizing it um, uh, so so yeah so that's you know that's part of the story too is that my cousin is that your cousin I think that's my cousin seriously does your cousin live here yeah. wait really <laughs> is it yeah that's my cousin go talk to him uh, I didn't know you were in the middle here. of the no it's I fine wait I, sh- I can't tell should we say his name? Say Yair. Say, are you Yair? Are you Rebecca's cousin? Yair! Yair! Yeah, that's my cousin. No, it's not. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I just messed up. Okay. I'm just gonna go say. Uh, I think you were saying. I told this story about the flag. Flag. Um, like, I'm living in West Jerusalem right now, and I think that's really because of Suli. I think he, like, there are ways in which he wanted me to have, like, a Jewish experience here to complicate what would in some ways be a more in some ways less comfortable but in some ways more comfortable way to interact with this place which is to just be in Ramallah and say I have nothing to do with that those people who are in West Jerusalem and who are in 48 and um, and he wants me to complicate that because I think he wants the book to be more complex than that Um, and the truth is that I do feel more complicated than that like my communities for a long time have been communities that say things like that and I feel and I really understand why people say things like that and feel some of that Um, but I feel something a little bit different and so for me it's important to explore the ways in which I feel different even when it's really hard to look at because it maybe it like like, for example, the ways in which I, even when sometimes being in West Jerusalem to me, I'm just like occupation, 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 I see it everywhere. And then in some ways I feel like where we're sitting now, like I feel more at home than I do in the West Bank. Um, and then to look at that and be like, well, you know, uh, is important. Like, I, I think I'm still figuring out like what that means. Uh, but to not experience it and to just be like, no, I'm not part of that, I think is not honest. I think it's um, it's missing some part of the process of like identifying what I think and how I want to respond and um, yeah, and and what kind of book I want to write and also what kind of actions I want to take. Can you tell me a little bit about? The uses of, you mentioned something that I want to pinpoint, um, the uses of fear and like kind of the uh, effect is instigative. Can you tell me a little bit about fear and comfort in this project? Mm. (laughs) In this project or in this place? Both, because is it hard to separate them from each other? No. Uh, I, I mean, I would say for me, okay. It's, it's both separate and not separate. In the project, um, honestly, for me, I feel like fear in the project operates in two main ways. One, I think is, I, it's not like a conscious fear, but I think there's the fear that Suli has of like reconnecting with some of these things, like with some of the past stuff. For him, for me, the past is really important, and for him, he's a lot less interested in it. He's a lot more interested in 
you know, writing about his ideas now, which I think is really important. I just think for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm constantly like pushing him to dig into the past more. And I think one of the reasons he doesn't want to is fear. I think he would use different language about it. Like he talks about um, having erased it from his mind. Um, uh, like there are lots of things he just doesn't remember um, about jail and, and before jail. Um, but do you feel like you have fears in this project that you are kind of compelled by? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, I think there are two main fears for me. One is, you know, when I mentioned, like, Suli wanting it to be, like, wanting me to live in West Jerusalem and, like, the whole thing about the flag. Like, I think there are ways in which I want to talk about things, like, for example, things that are important to Suli. Like, for example, the fact that there is Jewish history on this land before the late 1800s when, um, you know, Zionism and its nation-state sort of, you know, Herzl-style whatever thing started that, um, that, like, acknowledging that is important and it doesn't legitimize the occupation and maybe it doesn't even legitimize the state of Israel. Like, that's a conversation that needs to be had. Um, but... It's also important, like, acknowledging history is really important, and, like, the fact is, like, Suli grew up in a village where there's a Jewish cemetery, and there are things that are called Yisrael that were called that in the 1800s, and, like, um, and to understand, if, if we want to really, like, be effective activists, we have to understand the history, and that's part of it. Um, so things like that that I think... I'm really nervous about, like, I'm nervous for my friends to read something that I write and say, like, pointing, like, like, oh, no, you can't talk about Jewish history here because that's legitimizing occupation or that's legitimizing, which it is, it's a really fine line, like, you have to be really careful, like, Palestinians are, like, Suli's family, when we, we talk about Jewish history around his bar, like, don't write this, and, and when we, if we do write it, we'll be really conscious about how we do it, and, like, um, and maybe we won't be, I, I'm not sure, I mean, that's, the, those are some of the questions that we're dealing with, um, but, uh, and Palestinians have good reasons to be afraid of people writing that there's Jewish history in a given place because there are many, many instances that you can go on and on about of Israel uh, claiming sites like that as national land and Palestinians being displaced. Um, Is it a fear that you have also of, um, like, your activist community kind of uh, speaking ill of you and being right? Or absolutely. Slash, um, is it also, like, a fear that you have about identity or about your own beliefs? I think maybe before I got here it would have been both. I think now I'm getting to a point where I feel more clear that like talking about Jewish history here is not the same as legitimate that like as long as I'm really clear, like this doesn't legitimize um, occupation, it doesn't legitimize we can talk about Zionism, but it certainly doesn't legitimize certain kinds of Zionism. I don't know, maybe it legitimizes Boober and Magnus or something, but um, uh, it doesn't legitimize Zionism that, like, displaces people. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so now I feel more clear about that, and I'm more concerned about, like, feeling like people will say, like, oh, like, she's a Zionist because she's saying that, or, like, oh, she's, like that's like coming from a place of privilege or like um or yeah like just not having it's not a comfortable thing to say when you come from a anti-occupation non-zionist or anti-zionist place um 
So, yeah, I'm afraid of, like, people who I respect reading it and being like, that's bullshit. Um, and then the other main fear for me is uh, engaging with the gender and power dynamics in which Suli has power over me. Again, in some, well, okay, so there may be two more things. So one of those is to engage, to look at the ways in which Suli has power over me in the process is, again, not so comfortable when you're dealing with people who are coming from an anti-racist framework in which, like, the, you know, the Palestinian is the one who has less power and the Jewish is the one who has more power and, like, that should always be held and da 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 um, which I think is true, and also there are other lines along which power travels and we need to be balancing all of them at all times. Um, but I think it's really complicated in for a Jew writing a Palestinian story to talk about the way in which the Palestinian also has power over her is very sensitive. Um, and uh, and in that case, yes, I'm afraid of how people will think, and I'm also more afraid of like, will I end up doing it in a way that where I take up too much space or where I overemphasize the ways in which he has power. Um, will I not emphasize enough my power or will I not do justice to to that the truth of that dynamic um, and then specifically around the romantic stuff I'm really afraid of uh, that's really vulnerable for me like I, it's also honestly it's like part of why I'm interested in the project so for me it's like I, I really feel I felt for the beginning like this is an important aspect of telling this story because it's it will allow for us to talk about the politics of telling um, because you can't like there's no notion of objectivity here like we've known each other for a long time, we've been intimate, like there are complications in the dynamic between us that of course affect the way the book is written and I would argue things like that exist in any project but here they're just very obvious and so the obviousness of it allows for us to talk about it in a way that in other projects um, it's not so natural and also not so accepted like it also makes it so much more interesting like that it seems so. really gutsy yeah and it's really scary because I'm afraid people will be like that's bullshit or like people won't will see me as like um, not as my own person as attached to him or um, or like you know a bad non-fiction writer because it's not objective or um, uh, or misusing sex to like get like the opportunity like things like all these things that it's just like it's not like um People write, people write about people who they've been intimate with, but in the context of this conflict that's like so charged and so people usually write either in a bullshit way of like, let's look at both narratives in a way that's like annoying or like this is the injustice that's happening like period. And I'm interested in something in between those two. Um, and I think that the interpersonal dynamic between me and Suli and the way in which I have power over him and also he has power over me has reflections and echoes in the broader context, both you know along um, gender lines, but also I think Suli would say, it's important for him to say, like, Palestinians have a lot of power also. It's a different kind of power. For him, he's like, 
I mean, he, he goes on and on about, like, he feels like Palestinians need to step out of the victimhood narrative that, like, um, not only is it incorrect, not, again, not saying that, like, Palestinians have, that a lot of injustice hasn't been done to Palestinians, but in terms of identifying as victims, he feels like since Oslo, Palestinians have, like, forfeited agency, um, which, again, you can say, and I think he would... I think he would agree with this and it's one of those things where I think he pushes me when we're talking because he knows where I'm coming from like you I would make the argument like yes you forfeit your agency because you're in a situation that's hopeless and like what else are you supposed to do and, um, but I also think it's true that uh, activism out of victimhood doesn't work um, so even just on a strategic level whether or not it's true like identifying getting too attached to an identity of victim is dangerous um, and and I, I don't feel so comfortable speaking about that for Palestinians because I it's not who I am and it's not where I'm from I can certainly say that speak to that in the Jewish history which is absolutely what happened we got too attached to that identity and when we got power it ended up being really dangerous for the people who we encountered um, so what was I going to say victimhood he pushes you oh power okay power um so I think for him, in the context of the conflict, it's important to acknowledge the ways in, Palestinian, in which Palestinians have power. For him, the power that Palestinians have is to determine the legitimacy or illegitimacy of Israel, um, which I think is really smart. It's like, yeah, like, um, ultimately, like, ultimately in the end, like, there, you know, most, there are many, the, the Palestinian voice has been ignored in lots of ways, in some ways not so much, but in lots of ways ignored, especially leading up to the first intifada, and maybe until the second also, um, but, uh, but in the end, the situation as it is, is untenable, like, and eventually, Israel can't continue to exist the way it's existing now forever. It's not it's not gonna work. And the Palestinians are the ones who can tell the world like this decision that we come to is okay or it's not. Are you helping to tell that story to the world? What? Or are you helping to tell that story to the world? <laughs> Honestly, I'm not approaching Suli is approaching the book as a social justice tool. For me, I have a lot of hesitation around calling it that. I see ways in which also it's selfish for me. Like, I I want to make a beautiful piece of art. Sometimes I feel like that's what I'm doing. And that part of, you know, for me, part of what's beautiful is to, like, try and get as close to the truth as possible. And this is a conflict that I've been really close to for my whole life in ways that affected me directly, actually. Like, in, you know, my dad lost his job because of this conflict, and my... The conflict between my mother and my dad was over this, and my between my mom and I, like you know, in the way in which is very different, like not the physical investment that people here have, but like in the way that it, the conflict um, expresses itself in the U.S., I was very affected by, and so of course, like it's really important to me to engage with it. Um, but I want to write something beautiful and as true as possible, and then I don't know. Like I hope it. 
it can do something good, but honestly, I... Especially since it's not like a, this is what the occupation is. Like, but honestly, we have a lot of those books and the occupation is still happening. So like, I'm not so convinced that that's like the tool that we need to end the occupation. Like if it was, then wouldn't the occupation be over? Like, but that being said, I don't feel like what I'm doing is like, oh, this is going to like make the world better. Like, I don't know, maybe, or like maybe not. Like it's, I, I want, I don't. I'm still looking for action. For me, the book, maybe it's part of like finding action, but for me, right now, it doesn't feel like the book itself is action. Let me wait till they start making noise. Someone won. It was either Germany or Poland. <laughs> okay. No, no, someone came in at the last moment. It was Bulgaria. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's my question that just came to me. Do you ever lost in the details or do you think that the details or the fringes inform or kind of undergird the whole? Both. <laughs> I think right now I'm in, I'm very much lost in the details. Partially because I'm like in a point of like, I'm only here for a limited time and I just want to gather as much information as possible and then hope when I get home that I can make sense of it. Um, and gathering information is about details. Um, I think details need to be balanced with structure and vision. Like they they determine it, but um, there's so like there's so much. Like there's so much you can say, and you can't say all of it. Like and that's where you can get lost. Like details to like follow them, you could lose the clarity of like suggestion which I think is what I want to do like I just want to like suggest some stuff um, and, and it's hard when writing something that's non-fiction whatever that means some other conversation to um, to not get lost in this idea of like how nonfiction should be researched and I think I'm lost in it right now. I think I'm really trying to imitate some idea of like research that needs to be done when writing a biography. But the truth is I'm not writing a biography, I'm writing something else, I think. So like do you ever find yourself like too immersed in like haircuts or hairstyles? All the time. And does then do you think that that Or like cucumbers? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just continue your question. Well, I was just thinking something about like you were saying like you asked like did I mean like your question about like the book or about your time here and it's like the the the, the osmosis or the miasma around the story does that become the story and is that better than is that more honest or is it a distraction or are the distractions good? I think the miasma for me has to be part of the story otherwise I wouldn't be interested in writing it but the miasma is an ongoing thing and the book has to have an end Humble Mumbles is a production of Rebecca Books LLC, an affiliate of both Bookstyle Publications and Barbarism. We are also on iTunes. This episode, which is part of an uncertain ad hoc series on foreigners in Palestine, was recorded in West Jerusalem the night of the Germany-Poland football match in Euro 2016 outside defunct bar 420. Special thanks to Panina Alberg-Schwartz, Suleiman Hatib, and Dan Pasternak.